This is the Real Estate Investing Abundance Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Allen. I know you're excited to get into today's show, but I have a very exciting announcement to share with you before moving to the show. We've just launched a complimentary and comprehensive webinar that, among other things, shows you how to legally use passive real estate investing to reduce your taxes, recession-proof your nest egg, and take the sting out of inflation. If you are curious to learn more, go to steetalker.com forward slash webinar. It is complimentary and only takes a couple of minutes of your time. Once again, that is steetalker.com forward slash webinar. I'll see you in the webinar. Enjoy today's show. Hello, enlightened investors. This is the Real Estate Investing Abundance Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. and so delighted that you could join us again today. We are going to take a look at the game, recognizing, self-initiating, and playing the untaught commercial real estate development game. And with us to take us through that mystery is Nicolo Mastromateo. Nicolo is a commercial real estate acquisition and development specialist, a real estate broker, and a 501c3 nonprofit founder, experienced debt and equity fundraiser and consultant. He works in acquisitions, development, brokerage, copywriting, grant writing, marketing, data analysis, graphic design, and production. So, Nicolo, take us into the show and share a moment in your life that was pivotal and helped you to be who you are today. So this doesn't have to be real estate related? No. Well, shoot, I already have one in mind, real estate related, so I'm going to go with that. Um, I started out as a, as a, as a broker, which I'm not sure the reason why, but if you're an agent in commercial, you know, they, they call you a broker when really you're like a commercial realtor, commercial agent. But I had a guy who was mentoring me and, you know, I had to set up meetings and then he'd take me. So I was, I was learning with him and how to make the best use of our time. And we went to have one listing meeting and and it was pretty obvious right from the get-go that she, this lady was fishing for info from us to make a deal with a friend or something. And and I could see Rob getting uh, me, myself, and Irene with the boom. boom. <laughs> he, he wanted to get out. Uh, and, you know, he was nice about it a couple times, and she kept going. And he, he just uh, he shot his hand out and said, best of luck to you, and just took off, leaving me standing there saying, you know, <laughs> All right. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> that one uh that one stuck with me not just cuz it's kind of funny but I mean it's 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 a big part big part of real estate is um I I took a lot a lot of lessons from experiences like that of looking out for red flags of time wasters you know early on you know not not that I don't want to refer to any person as a time waster but it but there are tire kickers that uh lead to wasting time put it that way. Yeah, I think that's probably true in all aspects of life, but certainly I know uh, from my own experiences in the uh, real estate brokerage game, there's a lot of tire kickers out there and they just don't mind at all wasting your time. And it can go on for months at a time if you let it. Well, uh, what is the untaught game? I guess it's more along the lines of like the the, the politics involved and I'm Everything I've done is more or less, I shouldn't say everything, but 
the majority of what I've done is in one city. So it's not, I don't want to say it's um, comparable to all cities. I've been told this one is um, particularly difficult and that's coming from a developer who's done redevelopment and ground up development projects in probably five states and several different cities in each of those states. And he, he said he's never seen anything like this. So um, it might be a little, I guess, um, I, I don't know how else to compare it, but it's just difficult. So I, I don't, you know, every city's different and got their own things, but I've learned a lot that I think can be generalized in a sense. If someone's looking into getting into development, some things to kind of look out for and plan for and prep, because I, I really can't find, I search on Google all the time about everything and I, I couldn't really for a long time and still have a hard time finding anything about the political side of the game online you know they, they say experience is the best teacher and um but i'm a big advocate of um using other people's experience to mitigate bad experiences for yourself basically so i guess that's kind of the game is the is the political nature involved with the community the local government you know they don't teach you that in school about everything really starts at the city level the zoning maps, future land use maps, you got to get approvals. This city has a mayor and a council. Other places um, will have a city manager or, you know, however it's set up. But really everything starts there. Like Amazon put in a huge facility in this city and, you know, that wouldn't have got done if the city didn't approve it. Then it moves up to the county, state and, you know, federal. can't imagine how chaotic it is at that level just because of how it's been for me. But you know, it, it, it's it's a process and I've, I've adapted and adjust and learned as I've gone. You know, hopefully if someone's listening to this who's interested in development or early on can um, hopefully learn a thing or two about what road bumps to watch out for. I think you're right. Yeah, I, I can't remember any any courses, any gurus actually talking about that uh, particular side of the equation, except uh, in passing. But you may be in a particular city that is particularly difficult about that, but it doesn't really matter what city or what size of the city or county. You're going to have to realize that there is that political uh, side of the game. So, Nicola, what are some of your suggestions for understanding that untaught game and how to, to actually navigate uh, the politics from the bottom up, from the city up through the county and uh, through state uh, and the federal regulations. Well, I would say, you know, starting at the city level, looking into how the city operates on paper, you know, like this city, I said, there's there's a mayor, there's a city council, you know, how are they elected? When are the elections? Like ours is a year off. So the rest of the county and city and township elections are, you know, 2020. 2024, where this city is 2021, 2025, you know, it's just a little odd, but that can help or hurt you depending on where you're at in the approval process. Things have gotten a lot better in uh, this city since the since the local elections in 2021. But just knowing how the city operates and who decides what, I mean, in this city, it was it was difficult for a while to figure that out. They've been cleaning things up. It's been getting a lot better. But, you know, if I was to go to a, to a different city, that'd be the first thing I do is look at some maps online, usually the city website. I like to know my three go-to maps first are zoning, existing land use, and then future land use, which is sometimes harder to find, but that's usually in the master plan. So I would type in whatever the city's name is, 
master plan, future land use, words like that to help me get them. I usually save the map so I have quicker access to them. Um, but that just kind of gives you a lay of the land of what you're looking at. Google Earth is great too, but always keep it in the back of your mind about because um, it, it does help save a lot of time. If, if I know ahead of time how the city operates and I know their general feeling about something, for instance, this city is very anti-pilot, which is a payment in lieu of taxes for anyone who doesn't know. And it's an incentive for developers to make the numbers more feasible on a project. I mean, I could get into particulars about why they're against it, but you know, it's more or less irrelevant. The fact is they're not it, they're not going to pass anything with it. So if I'm looking at a property that I think is going to require a pilot to get done, you know, that's going to change my interest in the property. All the time I'm going to spend with the owner trying to get a deal put together, that sort of stuff. I ha- I happen to know that they are open to other similar types of programs. So it actually it's kind of benefited me in one way because it's it has scared away competition. So finding these other routes to getting the same result, if I had wanted to go that route, which I don't necessarily do, but I have it back pocket, I know that ahead of time. So, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time reading in city documents. There's the, the zoning ordinance, the city charter, the zoning code. And from what I've done poking around in other cities too, um, it is generally speaking pretty similar. The main documents are the city charter, whatever they're, city constitution basically is the zoning map and zoning ordinance and then the master plan you know the the elected officials the appointed officials they're in and out every few years so what they're typically speaking i don't think it's too difficult to get a hold of them you get some online websites with phone numbers emails i like to at this point i know i know all of them but early on if i was going into a new city Say there's a city council of five members and a city manager. Like I would want to go meet all of them at some point to and bring some ideas. You know what you're going to be doing and that sort of thing. Just face to face. I think that's just a big part of real estate. That you know, no matter what they talk about with AI and this and that, I just really don't see that really changing much. So face to face interaction is always best. They'll, they'll remember how they felt and you know that sort of thing. Absolutely. And yeah, face to face, they're just going to be much more amenable to whatever you are offering and proposing uh, their way. Well, when you're going into these documents, uh, Nicolo, uh, what are some of the key things that you are looking for? Well, I, I kind of gravitate and specialize with the multifamily and mixed use multifamily. So that kind of narrows in for me, what I'm looking for. So once you figure out what what you're looking to develop, like for me, I'll go to the high density. I pretty much look at everything that's residentially zoned or, and residentially zoned is, it's interesting because that's a thing a lot of people don't really pick up on the nuances either, but, you know, a vacant piece of land zoned R1 is technically commercial. The way I was taught is residential is houses, commercials, everything else, including vacant land, future houses, so I look for more like R3 zoning is usually what it is, where you can have the multifamily two to three story and anything higher than that. And then there's some like mixed use uh, zonings. I try to figure that out first on like, where can you build apartment buildings? What zoning is the max density? What zoning is the least density? Kind of figure out my own personal range and 
using the maps, I marked those up. Google Maps is actually it's pretty cool. You can save a map and outline and color and highlight and put notes. So I, I like to use that. And then over time, kind of narrow it down. Are these people ever going to like the existing apartments, the future potential apartments, those locations or buildings kind of narrow down? What are the actual options? So if there's only say there's 20 properties that are apartment friendly now or in the future with city's master plans, um, I will say there's 10 of them are already built and there's 10 other potential options of those 10, five of them. And this is assuming the zoning is the R3 or C3, something that might fit, you know, say half of them are going to have to be C3 with variances of some sort. If it's a difficult city, those are going to be harder to get approved down the line unless you already know everyone. And then the other five are zoned R3. I would probably focus my energies on those other five. I'm still keeping in touch with the the C3 five, but those those R3 ones, I would go after those and talk to the owners and try to see you know how how reasonable they are. A lot of people I found that own land or even even huge buildings that are fully occupied. A lot of time I feel like they um they outsource a lot of stuff, so they don't really or they inherited a property they don't fully understand how it works. I've had people who own 10, 20, 80 acres of land not even want to consider putting a property under contract for six months to a year for the developer to see if they can get the approvals done at the city level. To me, that's kind of ridiculous when you have Google at your fingertips, but I've run into that a lot. And yeah, so I guess that was that would be kind of how I'd focus in, figure out whatever whatever your kind of specialty is, if you don't know it already. Like I like multifamily mixed use. I also like industrial. I haven't really gotten to that point yet, but um, I look forward to, to diving in there. And in that case, I would be looking up light industrial for industrial and flex spaces, heavy industrial, just to know all, there's only so many properties zoned for each use throughout the city. And if you compare the zoning map, the master plan, future land use map, you can kind of it, it takes some time <laughs> and it's uh it's pretty detail oriented. So mm-hmm. I mean but if you're but if you're interested in putting in all the work on development, that's actually kind of the fun part in my opinion. So enlightened investors, if you haven't done so already, be sure and click that like button and also click that share so others can take advantage of the content. And finally, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single one of our upcoming episodes. Yeah, and a very necessary part for sure um, to know where you're going to go with that. Well, what uh, do you mean when you're talking about recognizing, self-initiating, and uh, playing the game? I feel like there's been a handful of instances, and just more more so on the political side, where I didn't see a curveball coming. And I, looking back on it, if I had been attentive to that, just just knowing that there's a game situation. I mean, I kind of knew, but not like to the... I feel like it's better to be over-prepared for anything, even if it's like a quiz for a class or something. But, um, you know, if I had recognized that there might be something going on past what we'd already worked through, it, w- it could have saved me a lot of time, energy, money, that sort of thing. So I feel like you can always learn more in one side I mean, I, I built some good relationships in the city, likely going to be moving there soon. But uh, 
took a long time to kind of keep a a good a good reputation and there's people that were gonna say bad stuff about you regardless i've heard some stuff is half time it's, it's funny the other half i'm like i i don't want this spreading because it takes long for it to bubble down and go away even if it was absolutely nothing or totally made up but making friends with some of the residents who've been around for a long time can give you some insight into the political undertones that stuff that might be happening behind the scenes may or may not but regardless of whether it is it does affect how elected or appointed officials will go through processes and procedures that sort of thing i mean i, I don't think there's any clear answer but awareness is usually the first step to making any sort of meaningful change so i just guess constantly being aware of the potential for political hazard warfare whatever you want to call it uh, behind smiles but yeah i guess that's how i'd answer it well who are the basic and the main players that uh, that we really need to be aware of in the developmental process outside of the mayor the city council or city managers uh the planning manager planning manager is a big one um they're basically the shepherd if you will of helping the city and developers move toward and along the lines of the master plan. So whenever the master plan was approved and they get updated every so often, 10, 20 years, whatever it is um, in each city. And, you know, they, they like, I would meet with the planning manager. Here's a property I own. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm pretty sure it matches with the master plan. It matches with this and that, but they're going to be the ones who are going to assure you that what your plans are in line. They can, give you some indication of how it may be received. They might, like one property I have to have a zoning changed. And I was looking at two potential options, R3 or C3. And because of his input and what he knows more detailed about how the city operates, like the R3 not only works better with the plan, with small minor variances, but it also keeps more doors up, more doors open you know, 10, 20, 30 years down the line. So they're like the expert. They're the expert on the master plan and how to kind of move a, a current underway project toward toward that that end. They're definitely a big one. Other than that, well, the, get a lot of information from the city clerk's office and a couple offices at the county. Most of, I'd say most everything is at the city level, but it's good to make contacts at the county and state and different departments at the state too especially with property records, at least the county I'm in, they just have a really detailed system and um, you can get a lot of good info from the county and they're usually real helpful. But also when it comes to incentives, development incentives, tax abatements or other sorts of financing assistance, it go, yeah, some go through the city, but it's good to know and look through the county's website. You might find other incentives that aren't available through the city that even maybe some of the people at the city, since they just got elected for a first time or they're 19 years old or something, you know, I, I check the county websites and then the state usually has different ones too and uh, federal as well. I don't feel like I'm experienced enough to really compare the differences, but in, in my experience, I'd say it gets a little more difficult to stick out, I guess, as you move up the rungs. So going to the county, you know, there's just by pure numbers, there's going to be a lot more people going after those incentives. And then at the state level and the politics, I'm sure goes just never ends. So, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's 
the building inspector is another good one. I go, go to the city website, whichever it is, and look through the staff. It's pretty self-explanatory once you see a list. You know, the planning, the planning director, you, you automatically think, or community development director, that's another title. Economic development director. You know, these types of positions with future planning are, are definitely good folks at the city to meet. Other than that, too, I mean, I would say community influencers is what I would call them, like actual influencers, you know, not the Instagram or Facebook so-called influencers, but these people influence, they've been there their whole lives, their third or fourth generation, they know everyone, everyone knows them, uh, trustworthy people, and, you know, a lot of times one of them can uh, post something on Facebook about who they're going to be voting for, and that might curb the whole council election for that district so if you get if they're on your side and support your project it just makes things way easier with the with the with the city council and whoever else is involved in approval process so it's really city and community uh nicola tell us uh, what you have to offer and how it is we can get in touch with you to take advantage of that um well i'm, I'm working through a big project now mostly multifamily couple small nonprofit local business, you know, call it mixed use on the side, but it's a conversion of a vacant former school into 35 apartment units. And then phase two is ground up 145 loft style units, total 180. So if anybody's interested in investing or some form of partnership, um, I've got a big 65 page document I've been putting together, mostly pictures. It's not all, it's not too granular. But that project, I have others in the pipeline. So if anybody's interested in something like that, they can feel free to reach out on my cell. Uh, my, my nonprofit is tied in with the development. So we're, folk, we, we're tax exempt for all eight of the primary tax exempt purposes. But right now we're focusing on as long as it's for the citizens of this particular city, for the city, the betterment of like everything's related to the city. But focusing on development and housing subsidizing with the nonprofit right now to help keep the rents lower. We want to build really nice product, lower rents, keep people in the city and bring in some of the new employees. There's a couple of very large employment centers. And we're also setting up a music recording studio and doing some artist production in the basement of a piece of the property. So I guess the development company... Um, if anybody's interested in investing or partnering and the nonprofit, if anyone needs some write-offs and looking to donate anyways, you know, that's a way in. And I do have a brokerage company too. So if, if anyone's from Michigan looking for a new broker, I got 90-10 splits and 10K cap. Um, other than that, I'm happy to do consulting. Acquisitions and development's kind of my thing. I'm pretty good at getting deals under contract for a small number and working with the owners to put together a deal that particularly difficult owners in the past put together something that works for everyone. So let's talk that. Well, Nicola, it sounds to me like uh, a development team needs a person like you to work full time, uh, essentially on the political side of that and, uh, <laughs> and going through all of those zoning regulations, the master planning, the zoning ordinances, the charters, all of that is in and of itself time consuming. I could see it could uh, take a person's total time to really do it and do it right. So how many organizations do you know that actually would have a person who is 
specialized in that. I don't I don't know if I've seen any direct titles along that line. I really like the idea. And maybe that's some I see I see media relations with some development companies and I'm sure that has something to do with it. Public relations, like that's probably part of it, but I think I really I think you're right. I think it I think it's a full time and you need someone who's creative, can think outside the box, good with people, other people like them sort of thing kind of an entrepreneurial mindset but it, it would be great to you know at some point when i get to that point i'm definitely going to take note of that and probably hire a local who's been here for four generations sounds like a good idea well nicola a very interesting conversation i appreciate you being with us today thanks for being on our show no thanks for having me on appreciate it i guess i should mention one more thing you 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 touched on a little I heard someone describe to me because none of my, I'm one of nine siblings. They don't know what I do. <laughs> Nobody does. <laughs> I just tell them like I'm not a realtor. That's all you need to know. Um, but I I heard it described or read it online that a developer is like a movie producer, which I really like because really you're 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 there's an end goal and a product, but you need your development team, your movie team, you know, your director, your this, your that, the actors. You need all the parts, but the the producer really gets all the moving parts and holds them together like glue. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that that's always kind of helped me comprehend how to go about next steps when there's no set, you know, next steps. Yeah, but makes sense. just wanted to add that. And I appreciate you having me on. I had a good time. Thank you for being with us. Enlightened investors, wait, wait, don't go just yet. I just want to remind you about our recently launched webinar that you will not want to miss. If you're at all curious and would like to learn more about how real estate investing can diversify your investment portfolio, alleviate the anxiety associated with Wall Street swings, leverage your 401ks and IRAs to substantially increase the return on your investment, and do all of this with turnkey, hands-off, passive real estate investments, then you'll want to immediately go to stetalker.com forward slash webinar. In the webinar, we'll also address the common dubious investment schemes that you want to avoid. To access the webinar, go to stetalker.com forward slash webinar. I look forward to seeing you in the webinar. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance brought to you by Steve Talker Capital a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steed Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steed Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at steedtalker.com. 